Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. And he describes now just generally Christian character. And I want us to just look at verse 9 this morning because it says so much in just a brief statement. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Christian character. Genuine love on the one hand and uncompromising holiness on the other. That's the character of Christ. Genuine love. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue our study in the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings a four-part message titled Christian Character. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. You want to take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 12, the 12th chapter of Romans. Paul is describing Christian character. And uh, as we approach God's Word, we want to remember it isn't Paul's Word as such. It is. Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, but God superintended. God inspired Paul as he inspired all the authors. And that's why we have this book today. Surviving all these centuries, still speaking with absolute clarity and relevance to our lives today. Paul explained what a Christian is for 11 chapters. Now he's describing what a Christian ought to look like. Christian character. As regards God, the first two verses of this chapter, given over to God. A Christian, and in fact the Christian life, will only happen as such the way it ought to happen as we are on the altar, given to Him. And then Christian character will begin to show through. It's not our character, it's the character of Christ. And if you think of it corporately, amazingly, we're called the body of Christ. He's the head, and we're members of His body. And so he spends the first eight verses here describing different gifts within the body. There's one body, but many members. And if you think of it individually, Christ lives in me. He lives in you. And His character, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, He wants that to show through. He wants that to be, in fact, our character. And so uh, we've been looking at these gifts because individually we are... Christ living in us, and then corporately we are the body of Christ. And last time we looked at verse 8, he who leads with diligence, if God has called you to lead, fathers, Sunday school teacher, pastor, leader of any sort, husband, parent, mother, Lead with diligence. Give it your best shot. And we looked all through Scripture. He calls for not just a half-hearted, lackadaisical leadership, but real leadership with diligence. And people are following you. And then we looked at this thought of showing mercy. Verse 8, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Mercy should so characterize us because we are all objects of His mercy. I mean, if there's anything that people ought to see about us, it's that we 
are sinners who've been shown mercy. And we ought to give mercy. Show mercy with cheerfulness. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall find mercy. You ought to, uh, shouldn't you give mercy as you found mercy? Jesus said as he closed that story off in Matthew 18. Uh, God is rich in mercy or we wouldn't be here celebrating. If all I knew of God was the truth that he is absolutely holy, well, I doubt I'd be here celebrating. I might be here cringing in fear, but I don't think I'd be celebrating. But we have found out that this Holy One is a God of mercy. He is rich in mercy, Ephesians says, and we should be too. Paul, you know, he never got over it. I, I was thinking of his, uh, how often he would tell his own story in the Bible. The Bible gives his own conversion account several times. And the last time that he really writes of it in detail over in 1 Timothy, he said, I found mercy. I was a sinner. I was a blasphemer. I was the worst of all. And you know, you look at his life before he found Christ, and it was a hypocritical mess. He was a religious leader out killing Christians, persecuting the very Christ that he said he was waiting for. He's a picture for all of us. He said, I found mercy, and I, if I can find mercy, anybody can find mercy is basically what he says in 1 Timothy. And so uh, let me just say parenthetically here, if you're here today looking into Christianity, I'm glad you're here. And I'll tell you what, there is mercy for you. That's what we are. We're sinners who've found mercy. And no matter what I say, and I'm going to say some strong things here in a minute, remember Everything about Christianity flows from His mercy. We have found mercy. And I don't think we're ever more Christ-like than when we are showing mercy. I, I've been teaching uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which is probably Jesus' most famous words downtown. And that whole sermon, chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew, are bordered by statements of what Jesus was doing. And right before, at the end of chapter 4, he was going about healing and helping and giving and touching people with his mercy. And after he gives that great sermon, chapter 9 closes off with him doing the same thing. In fact, chapter 8 and 9 just give specifics of him doing it. And then chapter 9 at the close. He looks on the people with compassion. He says they're sheep without a shepherd. And he was touching people as they came to him and healing and reaching out with mercy. And I'll tell you, he said, pray that the Lord would raise up harvest harvesters because the harvest is great. And today we need to be agents of the Lord in showing mercy. Uh, we've got a world of people around us who are hurting some of you just recently came to Christ, and you know. You look back and you shudder at what He delivered you from. And I'm telling you, people all around us need mercy. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness, He says. Now, look at verse 9. Really, at verse 9, He shifts from the gifts as such to a general description of Christian character. He's been describing different aspects of the body of Christ. Now he says, Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor. And he describes now just generally Christian character. And I want us to just look at verse 9 this morning because it says so much in just a brief statement. Let love be without hypocrisy. 
Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Christian character. Genuine love on the one hand and uncompromising holiness on the other. That's the character of Christ. Genuine love. And we need to say it that way. I mean, he says, let love be without hypocrisy. There's a call to genuine love and an uncompromising holiness. And we're going to see that these two go together. They come from the same source. And uh, real love will be a holy love. But genuine love is what he begins with. Let love be without hypocrisy. You know, over in Corinthians 13, you remember when Paul instructs regarding gifts in chapters 12 through 14 of Corinthians, right in the heart of that discussion and his instruction on the gifts, what does he place? A whole chapter on what love really is, Christian love. And it may not be what people think of as love, but I'll tell you, uh, the love of God is central in Corinthians to his discussion of gifts. And it's fitting that here, as he wraps up his instruction on gifts, the first thing that he uh, speaks of is genuine love. And in fact, I would look at verse 9 on down through verse 16 and uh, state that it's basically an exposition of what real love is. And so you might think of it that way. It isn't just a grocery list of things, you know. But the character of Christ, love, what does it look like? And he describes it. In fact, there's no verbs from here on in down to until you get to verse 14. They're all participles in verse 9, 10, 11, 12. Uh, he's just describing what genuine love will look like. Now, a Christian character is the character of God. And specifically, Jesus Christ is the pattern, the example, and the source of both genuine love and uncompromising holiness. And I want us to see that at the outset because so often I think we make things more difficult than they are. Christianity is not a system of ethics. It's not a long list of character traits you need to work on developing. Christianity is a relationship with Christ. And Jesus Christ is the source of love. He's the source of holiness. And uh, when I speak of genuine love, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. He said, listen, greater love has no one than that, that one lay down his life for his friends. And having said that, you know, we know what he did then. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son, sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, he's the source of love. He says, Beloved, in 1 John, you remember chapter 4, he says, Let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who, is, who loves is born of God. And he who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. So keep that in mind. And then look at the second phrase in verse 9. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Abhorring evil and clinging to good. Again, Jesus Christ is the pattern, the example, and the source of this. Turn over, look at Hebrews chapter 1. Turn over to Hebrews 1 for just a minute. This great book of Hebrews where he sets forth Jesus Christ. 
in all his beauty and all his superiority. And he, he starts out, you know, the book by just saying, listen, God spoke a variety of ways, but in these last days, he's spoken to us in his son. And then the rest of the book, 13 chapters, really, he just explaining how superior Jesus Christ is to anything and everything else, particularly all the old forms and shadows of Judaism that were meant to point to Christ. And he was writing to Hebrew Christians, and he says, listen, don't you get hung up on the Aaronic priesthood or Moses or Joshua or even the angels. He's superior to the angels. And that's what he spends a whole first chapter talking about. He says, you know, of the angels, they're servants. But look at verse 8 of Hebrews 1. But of the Son, he says, thy throne, O God. By the way, when we sing, uh, and we're going to, and we're going to celebrate it each week, you know, but when we sing of Emmanuel, the Son of God came. But Emmanuel says and means God with us. When he's speaking of the Son here, look at verse 8. Of the Son, he says, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. God became man and dwelt among us. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. Now watch this description, verse 9, and he's quoting from the 42nd, 45th Psalm. He's speaking of Jesus Christ, and he says, Thou hast loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, thy God hath anointed thee. Therefore, God the Son, God the Father, has anointed thee. But look at the character of Christ there in verse 9. He loves righteousness and he hates lawlessness. He hates sin. The 85th Psalm says, uh, Loving kindness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Jesus Christ is the personification of bringing these two attributes together, grace and truth. Man, why, we're the, we're the definition, it seems like, of imbalance. We either veer off in this side or that side on these kinds of things. But Jesus Christ, you know, the law came through Moses, John begins his, his gospel, but he says, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, glory as of the only begotten, full of the, uh, of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ is the perfect balance of grace and truth, love and holiness, abhorring what is evil, clinging to what is good. He loved righteousness, Hebrews says, hated sin which is lawlessness. Now, having said that, let's look a little more closely at that. And, but keep that in mind as you look at verse 9 of our text. Let love be without hypocrisy. Genuine love. Genuine love. If love is the highest virtue, and I don't see how you could get much argument there. You know, as you read your Bible, God is love. And uh, faith, hope, that's great, but... The greatest of these is love, the Scripture says. If love is the highest virtue and hypocrisy, one of the most repugnant vices. I mean, who doesn't hate hypocrisy? Even the world tries to hide its hypocrisy. 
Even as our standards have fallen lower and lower and lower, yet when we can still muster up the moral courage to see hypocrisy, which it seems like it's increasingly less and less in our culture, but when we can see it, it's still despicable in people's eyes. If hypocrisy is one of the most repugnant vices and love is the highest virtue, he says, don't mix them. <laughs> don't mix them. Let love be without hypocrisy. In other words, genuine love. Real Christian love is not that hypocritical self-love that the world calls love. Much of what goes under the name love today is hypocritical, less than genuine love. It's a self-serving, ultimately selfish and self-centered kind of love. It's a love that says, I love you because you give me what I want. I love this because I want it. I love, you know, and people define love in a very selfish, self-centered, egocentric way. And uh, the word is used that way often. And uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil all work together to uh, advocate and advertise and imitate that kind of love. And uh, much of it is just plain lust. And it's called love. Uh, much of it is just getting. And much of it is, is very self-serving. And uh, But rather, Christian love, let your love be without hypocrisy, says genuine love is the opposite of that, is selfless. It is self-giving. It is putting others for... Greater love has no one than this, that one give, lay down his life for his friends, Jesus said. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent gave, acted to meet our need, and he acted at great cost to himself. He says, let your love be that kind of love. Let it be a genuine love. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, Peter wrote in 1 Peter 4.8, because love covers a multitude of sins. In other words, just like Paul said in Corinthians 13, love doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. Love isn't constantly keeping track from a self-centered, selfish kind of way. In your marriage, for instance, uh, the kind of love that keeps track of the other's faults, that's not love. That's a selfishness. Love does not take into account a wrong suffered. Above all, Peter says, keep fervent in your love for one another because love overlooks sin. It's not that love just washes sin away. Only the blood of Christ can do that, and that is the expression of God's love. But when we are genuine in our love, we will overlook uh, overlook sin in others. And then, of course, John says, uh, let's love, brethren, not just in word, but in deed and truth. Don't just talk about it, but actually do it. And Jesus went so far as to say, listen, this is how people will know you're my disciples. By this, all men will know that you're followers of mine if you have love for one another. But he didn't stop there. He says, let your love be without hypocrisy. But then notice, abhor. <laughs> that almost shocks us, doesn't it? After just talking love, to hear the word abhor. But that's right where it is. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Now, we need to hear this because we live in a day where to make a distinction between good and evil, we're not even supposed to do that. 
we're told. If you call anything evil, why, you might be having to sit down like, it, like I saw on television last night and listen to everybody tell you why you should never call anything evil. You might have to sit at a big table and let every, every person who's inflicted with that particular evil tell you why you shouldn't talk that way. We live in a day that honors no distinctions between good and evil, or only ones that everybody uh, can get behind, which basically is nobody, because we're all evil. We all got sin problems. And if we won't call sin our sin sin, and if you can't call my sin sin, you know, it goes on, pretty soon nothing is evil. And we live in a day that makes very little or no distinction between good and evil. And a lot of people, a lot of Christians even, have slipped into the sloppy kind of thinking that says, if you love, you won't make any distinctions. I mean, love doesn't judge. Love doesn't take into account the wrong suffered, I said just a minute ago, didn't I? So maybe we shouldn't even call it wrong. We should just kind of let it go. That's the way people think. And a lot of people think that love is just tolerance and convictionless sentimentality. And that's why oftentimes around this time of year, for instance, love will just be thought of as just no judgment at all. Just everybody is fine. Don't ever bring up anything about uh, evil. Now look over at Philippians. I want to show you several passages, but look at Philippians chapter 1. Genuine love. Biblical love. God's love is very discerning love. And uh, as, even as he calls for a genuine love, he calls for us to abhor what is evil. I mean, it's amazing that he puts these things right side by side. And I just want to show you several passages. But Philippians 1, verse 9, This I pray, that your love may abound still more and more. But he doesn't stop there. In real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent. He prays that our love would excel and grow still more and more, but in all discernment. And Christian love, God's love, real love, the only kind of love that the Bible really honors is a discerning love. And in fact, I'll say it as strong as he says it, it involves hatred of evil. God hates sin. The God of love, who is love, hates sin. And we do a disservice to Him. We make a caricature of God when we present a God that's just love with no standards, just a, a worldly kind of love that just mushes around with no discernment. No, God, the God of the Bible, the God who is the source of love, hates sin. been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled Christian Character, a message from our series in the Book of Romans. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to abideintheword.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. We're excited to announce that Downtown Bible Class will have a new name beginning in April. 
The program will be called Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Same Christ-centered teaching, same music, same announcer, same times and radio stations. Our new website will be abideintheword.us. Our listeners will have the same access to listen, download, or connect via podcast. Why not head over to our new site and check it out? There will be access there to the entire archive of messages from Pastor Scott, easily searchable and accessible for your use. Again, that's abideintheword.us. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Think about it. Sin is that which produces human misery. There's frustration bound up in our culture today, and I see it in individuals too, because we've quit calling sin, sin, so we don't know who to shake our fist at. We don't know what to shake our fist at. And people end up shaking their fist at God when they see the suffering of man. Listen, man's sin is what brought disease and famine and oppression and crime and the brokenness and the awful heartache that children experience when their parents walk on them or walk on each other and then say, we did it for the kid's sake and all the other things. Sin is what brought all this misery. Sin is what put Jesus Christ our Lord on the cross. God hates sin, and we should too. Join us again next time as we continue our series through the book of Romans. Pastor Scott brings part two of the message titled, Christian Character. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you.